0: Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep. As you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, You who are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. "'sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. "'Then they also will answer, "'Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, "'or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, "'or in prison, and did not take care of you?' "'Then he will answer them, "'Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it "'for one of the least of these, "'you did not do it for me. "'And these will go away into eternal punishment.' but the righteous into eternal life. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, because we know that every time we open your word, you have uh, something that you want to share with us, O Lord, things that you want us to see or hear or experience in your word. We ask, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit will give us understanding for this word, that you will give me your thoughts to be my own as I proclaim it, and that, O Lord, we will receive exactly what you have for us this morning. We thank you for the blessing of your word, that every time that it is read, looking for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we receive new, new things from you through it. Bless us this day through the word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like the parable of the talents that we read, it appears before this, and we read last week, this section deals with a time of judgment and accountability. It tells us that when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all of the angels with Him, all of these things that are described here will come to pass. It's important to understand that it says when, not if. It says when He comes back not if he comes back. It's very important for us to understand that the scripture is very clear that Jesus will return. That this is one of the things that we as Christians hold on to as a promise. Jesus said, I will come back for you. I will return. There will be a day of the Lord. And scripture tells us that he's not coming back alone. He's coming with the angelic host. He's coming with all those that are in heaven. He is coming in glory. This is going to be an incredible moment when He appears and when He does come, when He does show up, when He returns to us once more. It tells us in the scripture that all nations will be gathered before Him. Every single person that has ever lived has to stand before God's throne. An assorting process takes place. The sheep are separated from the goats. Now normally when you hear that phrase of the sheep being separated from the goats, you think, oh, that's easy, anybody can do that. Take the sheep, take the goats, separate them out. If you've ever been an usher that had to count attendance at church, and people were moving around from left to right, you have a better idea of what separating goats from sheep might be like. It's a difficult process. Some of them look alike, similar, and they're always moving. They're always intermingling. And can you imagine trying to separate them out and keep them apart, keep them from moving towards each other? That whole idea of separating them. You see, Jesus uses this illustration because the people at his time would have understood what it meant to separate the sheep from the goats. The shepherd would do this because of many reasons. And there were some things that they could look at to try to separate them and put them into the two different groups. For one thing, the sheep tended to have the fluffy coats, while the goats had the kind of coarse hair. The tails were different. The sheep would have tails that would kind of flop down, and the goats would have tails that stood straight up. The horns would be different. Even though sheep could have horns, their horns would be different. The, the, uh, the goats would have pointed horns and the, the, uh, the sheep would have horns that often pointed backwards out of their heads. And so there were some things that, some qualities that they could look at. But one of the greatest differences between sheep and goats and one of the greatest reasons why they were separated had nothing to do with how they looked. It had more to do with how they behaved. When you had sheep and goats together, the goats would be restless, and they would torment the sheep. Goats would ram them, trying to play with them. They would lift up their hoops and try to smack them. They would try to headbutt them every chance they got with their horns. And their behaviors often ended hurting the sheep. And there was another difference. Their nutritional needs were different. The goats needed a copper-rich diet. While the sheep found copper toxic. It could kill them over time. So if they were being fed the exact same diet and it was a copper-rich diet. That diet would eventually kill the sheep. I think there's a little lesson in there about what happens if we try to consume the same stuff that the world consumes. It'll eventually kill you. It'll eventually be toxic to you. And the sheep, therefore, had to be separated The goats needed to be separated from the sheep. They needed to be put in their own pen to sleep. The shepherds would separate them out. They would go out, they would graze together, but then when it came time to put them away, they would separate them out for their time of rest. I wonder how much of this Jesus had in mind when he was talking about this final time before the throne. How much of this he was thinking the people that I'm talking to will be able to relate because they understand about sheep and goats. And the need to separate them, which for the people at Jesus' time would have been pretty clear. You know, most of us don't have sheep and goats in the backyard. So it's kind of hard for us to relate to some of the illustrations that Jesus uses. But the people at Jesus' time would have understood That's why all the illustrations about the good shepherd make sense. That's why all the idea of keeping the sheep safe and leading them to green pastures make sense. Because the people at his time would have understood about sheep and about goats. The scripture says that at the end times, people will be separated like sheep and goats. Sheep will be put to the right and goats to the left. And then the king will address the two groups. The ones on the right, he will say, come, you were blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the pronouncement of the king really tells us a lot about what's going to happen in this moment. The first thing is, there is an invitation. Most of us jump immediately to the details of what they did, but there's an invitation at the very beginning of this. Come, come, come. The king says, come. We must come to the king to inherit the kingdom of God. It has been prepared for us from the foundation of the world. This has been the plan all along. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can be also. This is not some plan B or something that is just being improvised at the end of time. This is something that He says that has been in place since the foundation of the earth. For those who were sheep that place has already been set aside and prepared as an inheritance in Jesus Christ it is ours to receive ours to claim by believing in Jesus and the sheep are told why they are receiving their inheritance For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Now, i got to ask you a question. Have you ever received credit for something you didn't even know you did? Rarely, right? Usually, we know, right? But occasionally, we'll receive credit for something that we didn't even know we did. And it's funny how sometimes we go, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that, Mm mm-hmm. I had that planned all along. Yeah, yeah. I meant to catch that ball that hit three players on the head and bounced up in the air, and that was my plan for the interception. You know, if you watch enough football, you'll see it in many plays. They'll interview the player at the end of the game what play were you calling when you scrambled and threw the ball 31 yards into the corner? Oh, yeah, I had planned that all along. It, that was always the plan. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, we don't get credit for that because the reality is we didn't even think about it. We didn't plan that. And so the sheep are here asking, when? When did we do this? When did we feed you when you were hungry? When did we visit you when you were in prison or sick? When did we do these things? We don't remember. And the king turns to them and says, let me tell you, As much as you did it to the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it to me. We've done that and not realized that we did it at times. Somebody was in need, we saw the need, and we stepped in and helped fill that need. Now, oftentimes when the scripture is read, people go and they make themselves a list. I got to go find somebody hungry and feed them. I got to go find somebody naked, give them clothes. I got to go find somebody in prison and visit them. And I'm going to make my little checklist and I'm going to do these things. I think that this scripture is about more than just a checklist of things to do. It is about seeing those who are in need around you and being able to go to them in the love of Jesus Christ to help supply that need. And sometimes that need is not physical. Sometimes that need is spiritual or mental. Sometimes they need some, somebody to be a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes they need somebody to lift them up when they're down. Sometimes they need encouragement. But I think the point that is being made here by the king to the sheep is you saw the need of those around you, and you answered that need through action. You stepped up to the plate and did something to show them that you were my sheep, that you were mine, and you behaved in a way that showed that. It is so important for us to understand that when we do things to the least of these, we're doing them unto the Lord. Then he will turn to those on the left, the goats. And he addresses them in the most awful way. You who are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. The goats don't know what they did. When, they say, when did we not do this? When did we see you in need and not attend to your need? When was it that we didn't do these things? And the king responds to them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. I want you to think about what this illustration is telling us, because I think it's very Very important for us to understand that. We're really good about trying to address the issue of sin as what we do that does not please God. The things that we do that God does not approve of or that God doesn't want in our lives. But we often fail to mention the sin of omission. The sin of knowing the good that we should do and not doing it. The sin of seeing somebody who is in need and ignoring that need and pretending like it's not even there. The sin of passing by those who really need our help. And oftentimes we consider the sins of commission or doing as worse than the sins of omission. But the reality is that both of them are equally evil they're not pleasing to God. Doing the wrong we know we shouldn't do is just as bad as failing to do the good that we know we should do. And that's hard for us. We'd rather have a checklist again of things that we need to do than having to check ourselves in what we're not doing and what we're not fulfilling What this scripture means is that we have to pay attention not only to what we do, but to what God is prompting us to do and the direction He's calling us to follow in our lives and the things that God is wanting us to see and make sure that we're seeing those things and not neglecting the call of God that He has given on our lives. It means that we have to be paying attention to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And when he moves you on something, you just need to be obedient and follow it wherever it leads you. You know, this church has been really good about that in so many ways. Before we even knew that we would have to feed so many children, we started the Backpack Buddies program because God moved D and said, you're going to do this. (laughs) And before we knew it, COVID hit and we were feeding over 600 kids a week and it was just insane. Only God knew that need before it came and only God prepared us so we could fill it. But how many different things is God calling us to? How many groups are needing our attention, our aid, our direction our love, our grace. How many things is God still challenging us on? One of the things that I think commitment cards always bring up to me is what I experienced years ago when in the United Methodist Church we were experiencing a small crisis. Pastors in Africa were retiring into poverty. They would serve 30, 40 years in ministry, and because there wasn't an adequate retirement plan for them, many of them would retire into poverty, no longer having their church salary and there being no provision for them. When the church really became aware of how acute the problem was, how big the disparity was with us pastors in the U.S., because we have a good retirement plan. We have a good provision for our future when we retire. The church put out a call to every pastor, every conference, every district, every church, to consider funding the pension of pastors in Africa and in other jurisdictions that did not have any kind of retirement. A small amount, like $25, was like a big, rich blessing to these pastors in retirement and would allow them to live out their lives having their needs met. So when the call went out, it went out to all the churches, all the pastors, all the districts. It was mentioned in all the district meetings and Basically, the district superintendents challenged us as pastors. They said, You know, you guys have a good retirement. Would you consider making a donation towards this fund so that these pastors in Africa and in other jurisdictions can have a retirement? And of course, I thought about it. I thought, You know, that's a worthy cause. We're partners in ministry, there should be more equity. And I committed, I was like, I'm going to commit $1,000, I'm going to send $1,000, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to help fund this fund. And they had made it so that you could make payments over three years. I said, no, I'm going to give it all in one lump sum at the beginning. And I was so proud of myself. And then I had to pray about it. And you ever been proud of yourself and you prayed about it and God took you from where you were down to here and humbled you? That's what happened to me. What basically God said to me was simple. If you can give it all at one time, you're not giving enough. What I call for is sacrificial giving. And... You're giving off what is left, not out of what you have. You're giving of the extra. You're not giving until it hurts. And it was a hard pill to swallow. I was like, Lord, but, 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 but. And I started listing all the stuff that I needed financially to do in the next three years, which was the period for giving this offering, and basically the, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I ended up tripling by giving over the three years, giving a thousand every year for three years, and it wasn't easy. But I think that was the point. God invites us to give sacrificially of ourselves to his kingdom, to do for others, even if it means sometimes to doing less for ourselves. To do for others, even when it means that we might have to do without something that we might want. And though it was hard, at the end of it, I felt right with my spirit that I had been obedient to the Lord. I say that as an example not to boast because I was not proud of that moment. But to show you that in the final judgment there will be a time when we will stand before the Lord and He's going to ask us, did you feed the hungry? Did you take care of the naked? Did you do the things that were needed to show others my love and my grace and my mercy and my kingdom? Did you do the things that were required so that people could see Jesus in you? And there will be a time in which we will have to stand before the Lord and give an account for our lives. And what we did is going to make a difference. The difference between the two groups ultimately was the destination. Both of them were destined for eternity. The only question is, are you destined for eternal punishment Or are you destined for eternal life? You know, some people don't want to believe that there is a heaven and a hell, but Scripture tells us there is. There is a place where we will spend the rest of eternity. Now, you can choose which one of those it's going to be. God doesn't send anybody to hell or heaven. We send ourselves by either accepting Jesus or rejecting him by living out our faith or living out our selfishness. The difference is ours to make. The ultimate destination is really in our hands. There's no indication that after we have been sorted, we can go, oh, let me change. Let me make a second attempt at this. At that point, when we are sorted, we better be found doing God's will, sharing our faith, trusting in Jesus, obeying Him all the way through our lives. We must have lived and died for Him, no matter what the cost. And we must have been part of building His kingdom. In the end, there will be a time before the throne, and we will either hear, we are blessed or we are cursed. And as harsh as that sounds, that is the reality of the judgment. What did we do in our lives? How did we show Jesus to those who were in need? Or did we ignore the call to be Jesus to others? When we stand before the throne, there'll be no no hiding. God will be able to tell the sheep from the goat and there will be no deception on our part. We cannot deceive God. So do we know who we are? If we're sheep, let's behave like we're part of the flock. Let's make sure that others know that we belong to Jesus and that we hear the shepherd's voice. And let's make sure that what we do shows people that we are following his commands. I pray that we can be faithful in our calling to whatever it is that God calls us to. So that when we stand before the throne, he will say to us, welcome into eternal life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you because even though it is challenging and sometimes difficult to hear, we know, O Lord, that in the end, you will be the one doing the sorting. You will be the one that will be telling us where our eternal resting place will be. We ask, O Lord, that you will help us to live lives worthy of our calling, worthy of our call in Jesus Christ, worthy of the kingdom of God, Worthy of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Help us to be faithful in small things so you can put us over greater things. And help us to know that you have called us for such a time as this. Continue to use our church. Continue to use our lives. Continue to use our resources. Continue to use everything about us to lift up the name of Jesus wherever we go. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar will be open if anybody wants to come up for prayer as we have covenanted with God to continue to be his sheep and his people.